Well, hi, I'm Adrian Albert, CEO of the Marketing Directors, and you're listening to Real Direct. In this series, we'll be speaking to great minds and the future of residential real estate. Joining me now for one of our inaugural episodes is Michael Higgins, Managing Principal at MHS Architecture. MHS Architecture offers developers a full range of architecture, planning, urban design, and interior design services, specializing in mixed-use, multifamily buildings, TODs, and redevelopment projects. Every building stands as a distinct entity, enriching its community, and Michael takes immense pride in witnessing the creation of a sustainable, vibrant, healthy buildings where people can live, work, and thrive. MHS Architecture's clients include, and it's a long list, this is just partial, the Kushner Real Estate Group, the Rockefeller Group, Borei Development, Hearts Mountain, Toll Brothers, Fields Development, China Construction of America, Skyline Development, and Albanese Development Group, and this is just naming a few. Michael is a licensed architecture in New Jersey and New York, which I did not know, and an active member of the American Institute of Architects, Architects League of Northern New Jersey, U.S. Green Building Council, and International Code Council. Michael, welcome to Real Direct. Thank you, Adrian. Great to be here. You know, we've worked together on many projects, and it's always been a pleasure. So now let me ask you some questions about where you think this is going. Our podcast, Great Minds and the Future of Residential Real Estate, is not about so much what we've done in the past, but what's happening now and what we can look forward to. Where do you see residential real estate going? What are the trends? Where is design heading? Well, I see still a very strong demand for housing all in the sectors of the market that we provide services to, including all along the Hudson River on both sides for the downtown and city and urban uh, developments of all scales from little infill projects to full city blocks being developed down uh, near the Goldman Sachs Tower. We're working on two 1,000 unit 57 story towers down there that'll sort of complete that neighborhood and really add two world-class towers to the downtown. But we see a lot of work still happening out in the suburbs, in the Montclair in the metro park areas, in the Morris towns. There's still a lot of uh, smaller downtown development. I think people are still looking for people of all ages, whether they're young or older, they're looking for walkable communities where they have some of the amenities and quality of life, things like restaurants that they can walk to, pleasant streets to walk down, safe streets, all those kind of things that and an active urban and sometimes, you know, suburban, but an urban type of lifestyle that is high quality of life for, for people of all different ages. We all know, though, that the industry has changed a lot in the last five years and certainly since COVID. What is the biggest challenge facing you today as an architect? I think the biggest challenge is just coming up with creative solutions that, you know, solve the client's needs. A lot of times we're trying to help them navigate their concerns and with more people working remotely or working from home at least part of the week, we've started to modify apartments so that there's little rooms where people can have a desk at home and it doesn't have to be in their living room or their kitchen so that the apartments themselves start to provide that 
feature for people. So they have that flexibility. And then also the buildings, you know, co-working has been around for a long time, but it's much more important to people than it ever was, including these little phone booth breakout rooms and little conference areas where people can take a private call and talk, have a video conference, all that sort of thing. The COVID really hasn't provided too much of a challenge. I mean, it's just still a high demand for housing, and it still seems like the economy is chugging along enough to support that housing. How has working remotely impacted your business? So we have two offices here in Hoboken. We have about 40 architects or maybe 42 architects right now. I would say about Half of them are working in the office every day, and then a quarter are on some kind of hybrid schedule where they come in and come out, you know, one or two, three days a week, depending on their needs and the number of meetings and things. And then there's a there's another quarter or, or 10 people that are working remotely full time, and they manage, you know, between things like this, like Teams meetings, uh, Zoom meetings. They're in constant contact with everyone. For managers, it's definitely more, you have to be in constant contact with your team. When they were around you physically, they were always able to just pop in, stop over your desk. Now they have to sort of, not that you have to schedule a call, but you do have to Somebody calls, you're on the other line, you can't take the call, you have to call them back, they're on the other line. There's a lot of that more phone tag type of stuff that's a little bit of a nuisance. But the flexibility is something that I think people really are looking for in their life, the ability to sort of not sit in a lot of traffic all the time commuting places. So you either want to live near work, which I do. I live two blocks from my office so I can walk to work every day. And I just, I love that. It's a, it was a quality of life change after COVID that I didn't want to go back to commuting like I had for 25 years. People that don't have the opportunity to live close to work or in the transition of doing that, you know, they, they just prefer this remote work allows them to have the, not to have to sit in a car for two hours a day, you know, that sort of thing. No, I totally understand that. We found that as people came back to the office, the collaboration on projects increased and we were once again able to share ideas and try out theories and say who was producing what in the industry, et cetera. So it's been much more active for us and more collaborative having people here. And I was wondering how that affected your business? It's it's 100%. Architecture and the business we both work in is very collaborative based. I mean, it's you can make it work. We made it work through COVID, but there are certainly challenges. When people are out of sight, they're a little bit out of minds to a certain extent. And while there are some probably careers and paths that are, you could be remote full-time because you're sort of doing just your own thing. Our industry really, there is a missing piece right now when you don't spend time face-to-face with people, brainstorming through ideas. You can do it through the video conferencing, but it's not quite the same. There's a slight veil between you. You know, it's not the same as being in the same space. And to me, there's also this aspect of if you never come back to the office, you're going to short yourself on personal development and fulfillment and and the kind of things you get that are, are social based that that are all part of work. I mean, you, we spend a third of our life, you know, working or more. And that third of our waking life, it's probably more than half our life we're, we're at the office. And, you know, and those people that you're around, those relationships form who you are and enrich your life. I mean, that's that's what I think. I agree with you. You know, uh, not that many years ago, everything was, should we be green? 
How green should we be? What kind of incentives can we get if we're green? How have environmental considerations really impacted the design of your buildings and residential development in general? The green building movement has had a big impact on our buildings. It's made the building itself perform better. The walls are better insulated. The windows are made of better materials and provide both solar shadowing so that the apartments don't overheat, but also so wind doesn't blow through. They're more solid. So the building components have become much more performance-based, a higher performance level. And then all the equipment in the buildings, the same thing from the air handlers, the mechanical equipment. There's the filtering of the air so that outside air is filtered and it's cleaner. There's the mixture of outside air with already tempered air so that you're getting air changes and a higher quality of air. The buildings are non-smoking for the most part nowadays. So you really just don't have any of those kind of interior pollutants coming into the building. The building materials are all, many of them are made from recyclable materials. The lighting fixtures are energy efficient, energy star rated, all the appliances are that way as well. And the market is uh, supplied quality, beautiful products, high quality products that can go into these high-end departments that are still very energy efficient. Does this represent an increased cost to the developer? You know, at the beginning, we were seeing some increased costs, but then once the market and the manufacturing process gets up to speed with where the demand is for products, the prices level out and they come down, more competition comes into the market. So there have been certainly price increases, but I don't know that they're necessarily related to the environmental lead sort of uh, improvements that have been done. Are there new materials that are being used in today's buildings? There are several new recycled materials. There are materials that are more durable. We've always liked to use natural materials on our buildings because they don't require the type of maintenance and paints and things like that. They will just, a natural metal or a natural brick will just age and patina slowly over time and gracefully and always retain its original quality. So that's, but there's a lot of new materials in the market all the time, particularly regarding energy efficiency, water conservation fixtures. And then, you know, there's of course all the green roofs that help store stormwater in urban areas, which is a critical thing because it's not a lot of surface area to absorb the water. So the roofs become the grass, for lack of a better word, to hold the water for a short period of time and then slowly either feed the plants, which then cools the atmosphere in the city, reducing the heat island effect, or slowly brings that water down into the stormwater system after the storm surge has happened. I have my opinion, but what is your special sauce? What's our special sauce? So what I would say is we're really about placemaking. We like to come into a neighborhood, figure out on any scale, we try to find something that's appropriate for the site, appropriate to the context. If we're in an existing context area, we want to respond to that context. We want, Sometimes we come into these towns in the suburbs, which are very concerned about height. And even when you're talking about only a four or five story building, that may be one of the taller buildings in the town. So we like to identify what buildings and architecture in the town do they really feel 
uh, connection to and are feel important to their history. And then we try to make references, although we're doing modern buildings, we try to make references to those buildings, whether it might be some of the materials that are used, or the proportions or the scale. And so it feels like something that's part of the community already. Sometimes we have the opportunity we're designing in the middle of, of nowhere, but it's not often. Usually we're, we're urbanists, we're working in urban centers, and we're working in downtowns of uh, suburban downtowns. I can tell you what I think some of you. Go ahead. I'd like to hear. That'd be great. Yeah. You have the ability when someone poses a problem in a design sense, you get right into it. You accept it. You, you try to solve the problem. You're creative about it. You don't hang on to your design as being sacrosanct. I can't tell you how important a characteristic that is, that that collaboration, the creativity that comes out, it's a delight. So that's what I was thinking when asking that question. Thank you. And that's very well put and appreciate that. That's very nice. We do pride ourselves on both practicality, but a high design sense. We want to do the highest quality buildings and we want to show our clients our best ideas in terms of what we think a great solution would be for their project. But in the end, we understand it's their building and we're going to listen to them. We're going to give them our honest opinion. We're going to discuss it maybe debate it a little bit, but in the end, it's their building and we want to make sure they're happy and satisfied. It's part of the being, in, it's a service uh, business. I mean, that's what we're in. We're all in a service business. The buildings that you're designing today will probably come to the market in about two years, sometimes longer. So what's different about what you're doing today in terms of design than what you did three years ago? Are the residences generally smaller? Are bathrooms changing? Is there a trend in kitchens that you see? I would say a lot of the projects we're working on, because we are in downtown urban areas, there are a lot of smaller units, but sometimes there's still, we're adding those alcoves into the units for the work from home ability. Pickleball courts are very popular nowadays in the building, like they are everywhere. Pickleball, pickleball. So that's kind of an interesting little phenomenon that's sweeping the country, I guess. And every sort of activity, I mean, the buildings are really sort of health and wellness based, a lot of them still. I mean, I know that's a trend that's been happening for a while now, but it's more and more important, of course, with the increased amount of amenities in these buildings. As the units get smaller, the amenities seem to get bigger and um, more full, but a lot of them are based around healthy type of activities, not just exercise rooms, but music rooms for mental health and libraries and quiet spaces and podcast rooms and all sorts of other things for a full type of well-rounded amenity package. But all that, but I think the health and wellness still seems to be one of the key things that people find very attractive about coming to these spaces, you know, these buildings. I agree with you. This question may sound self-serving, but it really isn't. Is it easier for you to work when there is a marketing group involved in order to try to come out with a product that meets the needs or are you better off on your own and and no 100 percent. we are total team players and it's always much better especially when it's your team to come in because we get a consensus what we need to do we can we can do our work very efficiently and effectively and cost effectively but we need a lot of answers right at the beginning and the more brain power we can bring to the table at day one or day two right at the beginning though is is 
so critical to the success of a project. Otherwise, uh, the, a lot of developers, regardless of the amount of experience they have, will stumble around a little bit because every market has its nuances and we need some experts in each of those markets to help inform what size should the units be, what should the mix of units be, studios, ones, twos, and threes, what is the amenity package, You know, where should it be, what is the main driver here, views, floor to ceiling glass, what what is it? You know, and I think the more we can get that input right from day one, the better, more successful the project is always. And I have one other question before we get to more specific questions. And that is, what do you enjoy most about practicing architecture? I enjoy the office atmosphere. I like the being around the creative process. I, I got into, I started in construction when I was in high school and worked through it in college. And I always loved, I always had a, a desire to be around buildings being built and watching buildings go up out of the ground. I always found that very exciting and invigorating and I still do. And I love just being part of a team, a large group that you, you know, a lot of times you, you're right at the table with us, but there could be 10, 20 people because some Sometimes these larger projects have two, three, four ownership components, and I like getting everyone's input, sort of managing everyone's expectations and also helping to steer the ship in the right directions because everyone wants to get to the same point, but they each have their own goals and direction. And I like synthesizing that stuff and helping them come up with the, with the solution that makes the entire team happy and the whole process smooth. That's the part I really enjoy. That's really wonderful. I would, as an observer, I would have said that you like the um, problem solving aspect of what I you do think. like that too. I do like that too. You just get in there and get it done. I yep. it's a joy to, to behold. So, so let me ask you some quick questions. What kitchen colors, what kitchen palettes are now most popular? I would still say, which is probably changing now, but I would still say it's the light grays I find are, are there. Some of the uh, light woods, but mainly uh, I, I think it's still in the light sort of palettes right now. That's what I'm seeing. I think so too at the IBS in January last year where they debut all of what's coming. There was a big trend toward light kitchens and white kitchens, which is um, kind of interesting, you know, wait long enough and it all comes back. Right, exactly. Exactly. What, what do you find is the best amenity? There's there's so many. I mean, again, when it comes to fitness type of things, the pool is always a number one amenity. I think the the fitness center, the yoga rooms, the basketball I courts. I know. Yeah, pickleball. pickleball, basketball courts. There's a lot of a lot of the active stuff is very very popular, and of course the 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 co working spaces. I think the shared working spaces. I think people still like to come down to an area, be around other people in sort of an office setting and uh, doing their thing. So they're not really just isolated completely. What is your preferred ceiling height? Ceiling height, I like 10-foot ceilings. That's my preferred ceiling height. The standard in most of these rental apartments are 9-foot throughout the building and then 10 feet in the penthouse levels and on special floors. But I live in an apartment with 10-foot ceilings, and I must say it's I, I just find it great because it allows you to elevate the height of the doors to 8 feet. There's other things that go along with that that give it a really nice, to me, I think it's the perfect, the perfect scale. That's great. I could talk to you all day. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me and being so congenial. To learn more about Michael and MHS Architecture, please visit mhsarchitecture.com. No space. 
And you can follow them on Instagram at MHS underscore architects. I'm Adrian Albert. Thank you for listening to Real Direct, elevating residential real estate.